Again, my goal was never to build a big church, but my goal is to build a healthy church. Amen. And if the church is healthy, the odds are it's going to grow. There is a wisdom in your perspective. Widen that perspective, see the world from different angles, and your wisdom likewise widens. It grows. We're blessed to speak with Bishop Derek Greer of Grace Church. He's the top leader at Grace and a board member here at ECFA. The dyad of being that top leader working with a board, as well as being on a board, lends well to seeing the balance of both positions. Stick around, hear from a new perspective, and grow in wisdom. Do as little damage as possible, meaning um, make sure you're using the um, sharp instrument, the Word of God, to heal and not just to cut, to wound, and to maybe even punish. Well, hello, my friend, Bishop Darren Greer. Welcome to the ECFA podcast. Well, it's great to be with you, Michael. I enjoy spending time with you always. Always. And speaking of which, we are on location today. We're here at Grace Church. Yes, we are. This, every time I'm with you, it feels like home. Uh, but thanks for hosting us today for this conversation. Well, thank you. And I appreciate uh, all you've done for ECFA. You have been a tremendous leader. So a great props to you. You have done a fabulous job. Well, you're too kind, and I say the same just about you. And uh, this is the Behind the Seal podcast. That's where right. we go behind the scenes at ECFA. And for those who may not know, uh, Bishop, you have served so faithfully on the ECFA board. I'd say the same thing about you just as an outstanding board member. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. And we have, uh, you know, a national ministry board, uh, but... You happen to have the distinction of being the ECFA board member who is closest to the ECFA headquarters. That's so right, anyway, I don't know how you drew the short straw on that, right, but you're right, always right, so right. kind to yeah. get together for lunch or conversations. Yes. Let me pick your brain on so many things. You've been a great encouragement. So I just appreciate that about you. Well, thank you for that. It's been about six years and um, it's been a great opportunity. Um, ECFA, I think, plays a very, very important role. Um, you know, as a pastor, you're concerned about the, your theology, you're concerned about, you know, the well-being of your membership. But ECFA focuses uh, largely on making sure that we're financially healthy. And uh, that's a very, very, very important thing for, for all churches to, to be. So I appreciate it. Well, thank you. I admire that about you. And I was actually thinking uh, years ago when Grace Church first became an ECFA member, yeah. how... Uh, in one of our first meetings, I remember getting together and the church was going through application yes. and, uh, you know, you all had some questions and we were together. And I remember you had out the ECFA standard and commentary book. <laughs> I mean, you were looking in depth and I have to say not every senior leader, sure. you know, devotes that level of attention. Yeah. And so I admire that about you. And I also would just love to hear you speak to that, you know, because sometimes for, for senior leaders, I mean, we're focused yeah. a lot on ministry and programs and yeah. things that are happening. But I have seen for you that even just the administration of the church and what's happening behind the scenes, like that's very important as well. So yeah. how did that become uh, a passion point for you? Yeah. Um, one of the goals of um, creating a growing church should be creating a healthy church. And you want to make sure that your staff is healthy. You want to make sure um, that uh, your practices are healthy. And if you have a healthy staff, a healthy congregation, 
uh, the odds are your church is going to grow. So uh, administratively, I've done my best to make sure um, things uh, were in line. But things I'm trying to shift as I get a little bit older. But uh, early on, I used to spend 40 to 60 hours in administration. And uh, in my private time, I prepped for Sunday. And I know folks kind of picture that differently. But uh, we didn't have a lot of resources. We didn't have a lot of folks that were willing to really serve. So basically, I had to do a lot of it. So uh, that's part of our journey. So uh, today, I'm super sensitive about how things are administrated, and it really matters in the church community. Yeah. Yeah. And I know in the, the church here, that's been felt. Uh, what impact have you seen just as that's been an area that you've, you know, leaned into? I mean, <clears throat> I can share one thing, just for instance, uh, that first meeting that I mentioned, just being with you, we were at another church facility and here we are. And the Lord has just that's continued right. to increase and bless. Uh, and yeah, in a new facility with more opportunities, um, just seeing God's hand of blessing on the church as you've really dialed into that area. But what what kind of impact have you seen? Yeah, um, again, my goal was never to build a big church, but my goal is to build a healthy church. Amen. And if the church is healthy, the odds are it's gonna grow. Our folks come from very unhealthy environments. The world is very unhealthy today. And when they come into an environment, now we're not a perfect church, please don't, don't mishear me. Everyone's at a different place in their, their health meter, if you will. Uh, but with that, um, we want to make it a safe place. Uh, we want folks to be treated with respect and loved and honored and that type of thing. And um, as we create that environment, people just keep coming. And um, so we, we've been excited. So we're in our, our third facility, actually. So this is the third building we have built. And um, um, again, you can't do anything without resources and finances. Uh, so the ECFA has been a great resource. Uh, to help us uh, manage some of the growth and um, not only in terms of our membership, uh, but also financially. Um, but you have this new initiative that I'm super excited about. And actually I served on the subcommittee to, to, to help make that happen. And uh, it focuses largely on the health of the senior leader. And as the senior leader goes, often that's how the church goes. And in the book of Timothy, it speaks about uh, the role of the bishop or the overseer. Everyone doesn't have that title, but the senior leader of a church is basically a bishop. And uh, particularly when you're talking about larger churches. So with that, it says uh, a man must first manage his household well. Mm. Uh, and, and if he basically, if he can't do that, how's he going to manage the church? And um, uh, I, I was speaking to a friend just the other day, and uh, he's a church planner. He made the observation that he doesn't plant churches, he plants pastors. So with that said, um, the health of a senior leader, the health of his senior leader's family has a great impact uh, on the church and its growth and its health. In fact, a lot of how pastors lead their families uh, ends up spilling over into how they lead their churches. So I think that's why Paul said that by the Holy Spirit. Mm. If you can't manage it, your family well, you're not going to be able to manage the church. So with that, what we want is, and this, this the new initiative speaks to that, we want healthy pastors, healthy pastors' families, so that we can have healthy churches. And um, uh, this, this, this new initiative is helping uh, to accomplish that. So I'm super excited about what you're doing. Oh, well, thank you. You've been a key part of that. <clears throat> Before we go on uh, too far, and this, this is just like our, 
our lunches and some of yeah, our yeah. conversations together, I always learn so much and take away. But you said some key statements too that uh, your goal has not been to build a big church, right. but to build a healthy church. Yeah. And another key statement, uh, and I think you were just mentioning maybe as even counsel from from another friend, but the idea that they're we're not planting churches, but we're pastors. planting pastors. Yeah. Boy, that's key. Yeah, that that that's so important. Um, when a board has an adversarial relationship with a pastor, the church is in deep trouble. Um, and it's vital that boards understand what pastors experience. Before you came today, I actually wrote a couple notes. I went to a Barner uh, study, and this is what Barner said. 38% of all pastors are considered, uh, have considered quitting in the past year. So that's almost half. Wow. Uh, 56% said the reason they considered quitting was the immense stress of the job. So pastors live in a fishbowl. Uh, the demands are quite intense, and it's not just preaching on Sunday. It's, uh, you know, attending birthday parties and dedications, marriages, funerals, mm -hmm. and, and all those types of things. Uh, it could be super, super intense, and you have all these different personalities, um, different backgrounds, different needs, and then you have people coming from old churches with expectations from that church they place on the new church, and when they're not met, sometimes that becomes a challenge, and and also with pastors and congregation members, um, with each new member, it's a new relationship and it takes years to build trust and strength. So there's just a whole lot of stress on a pastor. Also, 43% said they felt lonely and isolated and that's why they wanted to quit. Wow, 43%. 43%. So almost half of the pastors said, the, the reason I wanted to quit was because I am so lonely. No one understands what my job is like. No one understands the pressures I, I deal with. Everyone's criticizing me all the time, and uh, they just didn't have uh, enough support uh, within the church as well as outside the church. But lastly, 29% uh, said they were unhappy about um, their job's impact on the family. So with, with that said, if we're planning pastors, and uh, pastors are really leading their churches, if uh, a good majority, well, almost a majority of them want to quit, that doesn't bode well uh, for, for the church going forward. So we have to find ways to serve and minister to the needs of our pastors. And that's what this initiative we've been talking about is, is all about. Yeah, no, that's so good. <clears throat> it's been so helpful, you know, to have you on the board in this season, to be a part of the group that's really speaking into this initiative, yep. to really bring that level of care and support to leaders. And then therefore, as a byproduct of that, we believe to greater sustainability in ministry, greater levels of integrity and trust and all. Um, and even just, yeah, again, here on the podcast today, thanks for giving us that glimpse into the uh, what so many pastors are facing. I feel like we could just pause here and take a moment to just <laughs> pray for all the pastors who are listening. Uh, but, you know, earlier to uh, in this season on the podcast, a, a good friend uh, of both of ours, Dr. Sam Chan, yeah. He was with us Great and he really spoke at length about this topic. We even named that episode, The Pain of Pastoring. Yes. I think it's been one of our you know, top listened to episodes. And I know that's a passion point for you as well, just alleviating that pain for leaders. Um, can you just talk to us a little bit too about why it is important to dial into that level of caring for the individual sure. and not just the organization as a whole? Well, two things, uh, pain, can be a good thing and God can use it as a good thing. So 
if I say I'm about to overextend my right arm, um, pain will come before I overextend it. So it's letting me know I shouldn't pull my arm very far back. However, the adversary in the world uh, sometimes uses pains to our disadvantage, meaning, uh, well, if you uh, do X, Y, and Z, you're going to be persecuted. You're, you know, you're, you're going to upset the apple cart, and we're going to punish you for that. So God uses pain, but also we have to be aware uh, the adversary uses pain. So with that, pain can be a good thing. So if I'm really hurting on the inside, that's an indication something's amiss. I need to slow down, get with God to, to work some things out. So that's a good indicator. However, if I'm living with pain all the time and it's getting more and more extreme, extreme that pain can probably over the long run be used against me. And uh, most pastors mess up um, when they're tired, uh, when they're lonely, um, and when they're frustrated. And um, again, um, standing up to represent God is a tall order. Um, and everyone's perception of God is very different. So a pastor to speak God's word, um, that, that is a huge, huge step in a person's life. And uh, it takes a whole lot um, to be able to live up to the expectations. And often we, we, we don't. And uh, so it's not even so much that folks are disappointed with us. Sometimes we're just so disappointed with our humanity. But the wonderful thing is the Bible says God's treasure is placed in earthen vessels. So um, the reality is every leader, that's why I love the Bible. You see the faults, the blemishes. Um, you see great anointings on people. God used them in wonderful ways, but they were flawed human beings like every pastor today. And we can all draw support from that. So, but yes, um, uh, I think um, part of a board's role is not only to monitor the finances of the church, but also pay attention to the health of the pastor. I know at times in my journey, my board was growing just as I was growing. Um, one time I was just so overwhelmed, so overworked. It's like, I can't preach this Sunday. And they were all shocked. Um, and uh, some of that was due to the fact that you could kind of just start seeing your pastor as a robot or sometimes as a superhero and you just think he gets it done. But the reality is my humanity was at the end of itself and, and I just did not have the juice to go that Sunday. Um, so I had someone fill in for me. But um, there, there are four components to accountability. Um, one is um, uh, participation. Number two is evaluation. Number three is transparency. And number four is feedback. So you want pastors and boards to participate together, um, but also there has to be some evaluation. And uh, we not only need to evaluate the numbers and the growth of the church, sometimes you need to have sessions to evaluate the health of the leader. Is he doing okay? Because he's not a machine or she's not a machine. Uh, it's an individual with limitations, weaknesses, strengths, ambitions, desires, et cetera. Um, so uh, we, we do need to evaluate the health of our leaders. And then the third piece is transparency. So if I have an adversarial board, I'm really not gonna be transparent because I don't trust you. But if I know you love me, I'm gonna be more inclined to be open about my struggles. And then lastly, feedback, and that's really on the leader. The leader, must really weigh heavily the feedback of the board um, because God graced them to be in that position and uh, what they say should matter to that leader. Um, so 
those four components, if they're in place, um, a board and a pastor can have a very, very strong relationship. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for those levels. That's a great framework and way of thinking about it. I wonder if you could share a little bit more um, on that evaluation point yes. and just help, because we have a lot of board members yes. you know, who are listening in yes. addition to senior leaders. What have you seen to be an effective way for that evaluation process to take place where it doesn't feel adversarial, like the leader feels that level of support and the kind of heart that you're talking about? Well, we're not there yet um, as it relates to our particular board. That's why I worked so hard with ECFA um, to to sort of prepare this initiative such that um, we can um, get some best practices from, let me just back up for a second. One thing I like about the ECFA board is we have um, psychologists, we have accountants, we have attorneys, and I'm one of the few pastors on the board. So you have just, you know, a broad group of people looking at the same issues from their particular lens. So um, one of the reasons, again, why I was so, exci why I was so excited about this initiative is because uh, Grace Church was not going to have to figure this out alone. Uh, there are going to be psychologists involved. There's going to be accountants involved. There's going to be all different types of people involved in this process to help make sure. Um, listen, you can't really make someone well, but you can notice some of the indicators that a person is, you know, um, in trouble. Also, if the relationship's strong enough, um, uh, a pastor, before he makes a, a major mistake, can cry out and ask for some help. Hey, you know what? I need some counseling. You know what? I don't have the resources to pay for counseling. Can you help me? And um, I think, again, with, with this new initiative, um, um, that can be the outcome. And you want to get ahead of David on the rooftop, uh, you know, glancing at Bathsheba before it happens, not, you know, after it happens. So it's really more, uh, more about us being um, proactive and getting in front of issues uh, versus just trying to react and respond to, to, to issues. Yeah. Absolutely. Being as proactive as we can be. And I think we say all the time as we've been dialing in, studying this area, talking with so many ministry leaders too, of, uh, it's all about, again, these are ultimately kind of heart issues, right? Yes. Of the leader, but we want to do everything that we can to create the kind of environment That's it. where leaders are positioned to thrive. Yeah. And it's just like leading the church. You want to create a healthy and safe environment. And the board wants to create or ought to make it a goal to create a healthy and safe environment for the senior leader to bounce off ideas, uh, for the senior leader to be wrong. Um, you know, before the congregation, often the senior leader has to be right. That's very difficult to bat a thousand. Um, Two of us are right all the time. Basically, basically, <laughs> yes. So yeah. in that room, you, you, you want to allow for some humanity and also you can't formalize everything. A lot of uh, health really just comes out of relationships. And, and my, my hope is that as boards stop just managing pastors, but really begin to love on their pastors, um, I think stronger relationships will develop where uh, leaders of boards, you know, may periodically, you know, an individual gets to, to, to go to lunch with the pastor or the senior leader or a president or whatever his position is and just develop some relationship where the pastor can confide and open up and share. And again, there's a good percentage of pastors felt isolated and lonely and um, board leaders can, can help that. But the spirit has to be, listen, we're, we're not going to be 
force you to become our friends. We're not going to force relationship on you, but we are going to create an environment of trust, an environment of love, an environment of truth, an environment of support. And out of that, naturally, relationships will grow if the board is serious uh, about developing yeah. and the pastor the responsibility. Yeah, for sure. As you were saying all that, I hope you don't mind just again, personal privilege here as I was thinking on a personal note, thank you for doing that for me. Uh, you know, there's just been times over these past six years. I mean, leaders, we, you know, we all go through our highs, our lows, yeah. the challenges, yeah. the the mountains and the valleys. And I just feel like you've, you've always been there and you've created that space for me. So thank you. I appreciate you. that. Yeah. I'm, uh, one of the best things I can do is listen. And sometimes it's not so much in what I say or, or, or what I have to offer. Sometimes it's just hearing yourself think. Um, it's like, you know what? That sounded better in my head. That, <laughs> you know, it really sounded out loud. And so yeah, the safety to make that mistake and know that you're still loved. You're, I don't respect you any less. Um, all of us need relationships like that. So uh, you've heard said, you know, God gives two ears, one mouth. You know, let's listen twice as much. So. Uh, with that board members need to listen and not just chat uh, because the, the the leader is typically lonely and isolated. And let's be sensitive uh, to that. Amen. Amen. Hey, maybe just one more question kind yes. of on that point. And then there's, there's some other things I'd love to pick your brain on too while we're together. But uh, maybe, yeah, just again, counseling, coaching, boards who are listening, tuning in, I do hope that leaders feel empowered to be able to come to their board yeah. and just share what's going on, areas where they could use a level of support. And if they're approaching the board proactively, just coaching the boards who are listening on how can they best respond? I mean, you offered a great point about listening, <laughs> but just also on a practical level, uh, how would you counsel and coach board just in a first response? Say a leader comes to you with a need, identifying something, what should the posture be? Do as little damage as possible, meaning um, make sure you're using the um, sharp instrument, the word of God to heal and not just to cut, to wound and to maybe punish. Um, um, make sure you're operating like a surgeon. And also you have to be able to isolate issues, meaning, okay, his preaching or her preaching is good, but he has an issue in this area. So um, one area doesn't eliminate problems in another area. And a lot of times what we'll do is because someone's gift is great, uh, we'll wink at some of the character issues. And um, we people are more complicated than that. And um, we, we need to allow people to have issues and challenges, but address them truth, truthfully and, and lovingly. So I hope that answers you. No, absolutely it does. And then I think something I think you and I would both uh, uh, agree on this point, we've talked about in, in different scenarios too, is for boards to also know at what level um, they need to also look outside. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like to not feel the pressure to solve all those things right. necessarily internally, yeah. but there's so many good resources, so many other ministry partners that serve in all the different areas where um, I would also just encourage a board to say, like, we also don't feel like we need to take the weight of all of that That's ourselves. Yeah. It may just be investing the resources of the church, of the ministry, some place outside where the leader can go and get get that level of help. Absolutely. I think if the mantra becomes the health of the leader is important, not just 
the fruit and the results of the leader, but the health of the leader. And, um, you know, even a dying tree can produce good fruit for a season, but it's just not going to last very long. And there are people um, that are dying in ministry. They're still fruitful, but unless they get a little help, and I say help, we start thinking of psychologists. Sometimes it's just friends. Uh, sometimes it's just um, introducing your pastor, your, your, your president to another leader of another organization and, and making that happy or making sure he's going to events where people uh, with similar uh, jobs are in the room and, uh, and, and naturally they'll develop relationships. So make sure you're sending your, your leader somewhere, you know, a couple of times a year so he could be around other leaders. That is so important um, to be around folks struggling with the same issues. And um, often uh, connections are made that last lifetimes in those types of settings. Awesome. Well, I just, I pray that the Lord, yeah, uses this conversation to empower leaders and organizations to do that. And uh, I'd love to just switch gears to, and speaking of difficult conversations and, and topics, one thing that I have appreciated in you and knowing you and seeing your leadership is really that on some of those difficult conversations and topics that the church has a voice, like the church should be out in the public square leading the way. And uh, I want to dial in specifically to Let's Talk, sure. uh, a movement that you've led how many years has that been now? It's been about two years. Two years. Okay. And lots already momentum there, but I think God's going to really use that in a significant way. Talk to us a little bit about Let's Talk and how you've seen specifically on conversations around race, racial, cultural dialogue kind of issues. What fruit are you have you seen and then what are you hoping for moving forward? Yeah, I've seen tremendous uh, fruit. Um, you know, after the deaths, uh, the major deaths of... Uh, uh, in, in our nations of, of innocent black men, um, you know, there's a major outcry in, in the nation. And uh, during that time, I felt the Lord spoke to my heart to bring folks together. So um, I just started with my circle of friends and I reached out to friends and I said, hey, here's a document. Uh, the church has made some mistakes, but we got to start leading from the front. Um, we're hearing all these folks on television uh, with with uh, presumed answers, uh, but the church is, is a little more silent than we'd like it to be. So um, people signed that document, people that had a lot to lose uh, by signing it. It was called the Statement of Change. And then from there, we had an event at the Bible Museum, and about 300 leaders came on, about 1,500 live streams. So I really wasn't sure. I was like, Lord, I'm a pastor. I am not. <laughs> this is not what I do. Yeah. Um, so I really needed some convincing. Uh, so there was tremendous results there. So then we started having a, a monthly phone call with leaders from across the nation where we just began to talk through racial issues. We allowed ourselves um, to misspeak, to say things that perhaps uh, could be a little bit offensive so we can grow and, and learn and more than anything, build relationship. And then out of that uh, came National Unity Weekend. We had our first last year where 101 churches from across the nation, 22 states, uh, and also two other nations, Uganda and uh, India. Wow. Yeah, participated. Yeah. We had over 40 organizations, again, the National Association of Evangelicals, mm -hmm. uh, Sammy Rodriguez, National Christian Leadership uh, Conference, et cetera, just lots of people uh, that got involved. And every year what we're doing is we believe the gospel is the answer. So across the country, what we did last year is um, 
uh, pastors across the nation selected from a single text. They preach from a single text. Um, and this year it'll be uh, the same thing. We'll be in Acts 17. We all come from one blood, that type of thing. But um, and by the way, we've had um, pa- a lot of pastors are scared to kind of talk about these types of issues. What you avoid is not going to be resolved unless you address it. And um, we're not pointing fingers at churches. This is not about blaming and shaming. It's really about bringing healing and health. And the world was changed by the gospel in the first century. Um, They didn't have a lot of money, resources. Um, It was simply the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that uh, that same word of God and that same spirit um, can change the world today. So with that, uh, each year, uh, pastors are leaning into this issue and talking about racial healing. And instead of people getting a perspective from CNN, Fox, or what have you, they're going to get it from their pastors from the scripture. And we're going to share a text across the nation and just talk about healing. And people will use their own traditions and and their their, their own way of speaking to communicate. Uh, but we have um, Dallas theological professors helping pastors work through this theologically. We, we just have so many different people engaged uh, in this, this issue. But with it, faith comes by hearing. And imagine if churches were informed by their pastors versus the news. Uh, imagine if, yeah. Imagine pastors, that. Yeah, imagine that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we could spend a lot of time on that. Right. Right. <laughs> and also the average pastor spends 12 hours uh, prepping for just one message. Yeah. So imagine if across the nation, uh, pastors are digging into God's word, finding out what it says on this important issue for 12 hours. And some people, it's a series. Some people, it's just a Sunday. But again, imagine congregations hearing. Uh, imagine pastors studying. Um, also, we had a, an event uh, the day before, and we do this each year, uh, where we're, we're the hands and feet of the gospel. So we don't just talk about it on Sunday. So we had over seven denominations involved. Yeah. Uh, we had 18 distribution points, 70,000 tons of food. Uh, were distri- I'm sorry, pounds of food were distributed. Um, and I was in Virginia, Washington, D.C., uh, as well as in Texas. And um, by the way, um, in 2023, we didn't really let many people know. It was really proof of concept. So for 101 churches to respond with actually, you know, very limited PR and, and awareness really lets us know that churches are hungry. So we can complain about the problem or we can be part of the solution. So with that, I'm inviting every pastor across the nation. Um, June 8th, I believe this year, will be our next National Union. We can go to the website. Uh, you can be a part. Again, we have scholars to help you. You could be part of our, now it's a quarterly phone call, Let's Talk. The next is in December. And you could be a part of that. Again, people from all across the nation are involved. So I'm excited about that. And we're trying to bring solutions to an issue. And the church has to lead uh, instead of just following and just commenting and criticizing the culture. We got to get out front. So that's the goal. We do. And that's an open invitation. Open invitation. Open invitation. Yes. Wow. So I ask you about fruit. Boy, I mean, in just two years. Yeah, look at God. Look at what God has done. Look at what he's up to. I hear you uh, share about that. I'm so proud of you. Oh, thank you. Uh, I want to be that voice of encouragement for you today. Well, thank you. Thank you. And uh, that doesn't happen without a lot of investment, hard work, courage for you to step out and do that. Very excited. Yeah. And I'm reflecting too on just a couple key things you said too, which is, and, and this is so true across the board, but no problem gets solved by just avoiding it. 
<laughs> burying our heads in the sand. It's not going to do it. And at the end of the the day, too, like we want scripture, we want the gospel uh, to be the solution Absolutely. to some of these challenging issues. So thank you just for holding up the truth of God's word in this conversation. Well, thank you. And uh, I have a great team. The advisory team is phenomenal. My staff, who is constantly putting stuff together and sending out emails, making sure the Zoom call works, uh, they do a phenomenal job. So uh, it takes all of us, but uh, I also thank you for your support over the last couple of years. So God bless you and the ECFA. Hey, we're honored to support you in this effort. Uh, what are some, because again, this is the Behind the Seal podcast, yeah. if, if I may just go even a little uh, behind the scenes with you, what are some of the the challenges that you've encountered in that work and how have you seen God show up? Well, a lot of folks have said things like, well, I, um, I don't deal with uh, racial issues. I preach the gospel. But um, when you take a look at um, the gospel, like in the book of Galatians chapter 2, um, Paul actually confronted Peter um, because he stopped eating with the Gentiles. And the first century faced issues as intense, maybe even more intense than the ones we're facing today. And um, the, the Bible goes on to say, Paul goes on to say by the Holy Spirit, that he withstood him or resisted Peter um, because uh, he, was, he was to be blamed. And uh, then it goes on and he said, you were not being uh, true to the gospel. And so what, what Paul was saying to Peter, and by the way, you could be anointed and powerful and still have issues. And Peter was the great apostle. I mean, his shadow was healing people. And he still had some issues. And what really what happened is some folks came from Jerusalem and he got concerned and he, I'm sure in his head, he didn't really mean harm. Um, but some folks say, well, if we just preach the gospel, it'll go away. But um, didn't Peter have a, a proper doctrine and proper understanding of the gospel? But he still had issues that he needed the help of another leader in order to get through. And uh, Paul did not talk behind his back. Paul addressed him. And that's why we need each other to sharpen each other, to develop each other. Other people say, well, I, if everyone just loved Jesus, these problems would go away. But didn't Peter love Jesus? <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. And it didn't just go away. So what Paul did is he addressed it. And But the big point in that scripture is, I would have called this issue a truth of the gospel. But Paul called it the truth of the gospel, meaning our orthodoxy and our orthopraxis matter meaning what we believe and how we live are equally important. In fact, what we believe should impact how we live. So uh, with that said, um, it is a fundamental issue, and we want every church to be in a position to make everyone feel welcome. And, um, you know, we don't want, I don't want anyone to ever come to Grace Church to feel tolerated. I want them to know that they're welcome. I also want them to know they're celebrated. And um, that's the goal of a Unity Weekend and Let's Talk is to, to help, you know, open up our churches so every group feels welcome. I can't make any group come. And if you're in a certain area, you're just going to draw people from that neighborhood. So, you know, every church doesn't have to look a certain way. However, I want every person to be welcome at the foot of the cross here at Grace Church. And we just want to help other pastors do it. Awesome. Hey, everyone's welcome. Again, open invitation. What is the website for folks that are interested in participating? NationalUnityWeekend.org. 
nationaluniversity.com. Uh, There's also um, Let's Talk, and you can sign up. Actually, just go to National Unity Weekend. That'll be better because then you can go to Let's Talk to sign up for the quarterly uh, phone call. But I would love for pastors to participate. I'd like to get to know you. We'd like to have some conversation. And what we do is it's only a 15-minute presentation, and then the rest is pastors and leaders. We have uh, academics. Um, we have all different types of people. Um, in little um, groups, small groups, just talking about what was presented and um, familiarizing themselves with each other and just growing together. Great. Well, I will say, having attended some of those meetings, I always walk away with so much. Oh, good. So I encourage anyone who's listening to check that out. Very good. Awesome. Well, hey, just coming full circle, yeah. sort of back to where we started. And uh, I think uh, a final question that I have for you is just, again, having now served on the ECFA board faithfully for uh, these almost six years. I think you're getting ready to approach kind of the end of your term. We're trying to figure out how do we alter those bylaws, you know, to, to, to make sure you don't have to take some time off. But anyway, we've, we've got that issue. I am curious in your service on the ECFA board and across these years, and a lot's happened not only in ECFA, but boy, also just in the world yeah, yeah. <laughs> in these past six years. Uh, how has all of that shaped you? affected your view on in terms of just the mission of accountability in our culture? Well, good. Um, I think that I came to appreciate the role of a board much more uh, than I had before serving on ECFA. Now, I'm a pastor, so that's my lens. Um, however, I see the value of checks and balances. I mean, you you, you kind of as an American, you know the value of checks and balances because that's our form of government. But I don't know, it just crystallized for me. And um, every pastor needs a check um, and uh, needs someone that uh, will necessarily hold their feet to the fire. Um, someone that uh, on, on some points they report to, that type of thing. Now, I believe a church should be pastor-led. That is still the way uh, my church operates. However, our boards must be empowered, and um, only Jesus is the perfect man. So with that said, um, outside of him, there must be checks and balances. So um, I, I, I just come to appreciate that much more. And one of the things ECFA does, um, it equips boards, and it helps boards run more effectively. It keeps boards, if you, if you pay attention to the podcast and, and some of the material that's downloadable, um, it helps boards stay on point and not get into issues that really aren't their concern as well. Um, and um, I, I think ECFA just has a vital role in helping boards relate to pastors. And again, we, we don't want an adversarial relationship between pastor and board. And uh, we, we want uh, to, to have healthy relationships so there can be dialogue. And also that should be a place a pastor could, if necessary, reach out for help. Wow. So good. Thank you for that word on accountability. Uh, that's, that's so encouraging even to me, just as we continue to charge ahead, move forward in the mission of ECFA. Thank you for being a part of that. Thank you for all that you're doing too, just to encourage other ministry leaders to participate and to get that value from ECFA. And thank you for your friendship. I appreciate it so much. I appreciate yours too. Bless you. All right. Thank you. We can't thank you enough for listening to the Behind the Seal podcast from ECFA. 
What was your takeaway from Bishop Greer? Was it the hard work in establishing a healthy church rather than a growing church? Was it the courage to lead conversations on culturally sensitive topics for the glory of God, honestly? I could see that in his heart. Or was it one of my favorites, using the word of God carefully, as he says, doing as little damage as possible, using the word to heal, not to cut or even punish. Well, share your takeaway with a friend along with this episode. You know, there's only a few episodes left for the year and our pursuit of how healthy leadership affects trust has been fruitful. Praise be to God, but make sure those notifications are still on. We have a special one coming your way the first week in November. Be blessed. We'll see you then.